Hello, everyone. This is Olga Mack, still working from home, building the future of contract. And today I am with Angela. Angela, first introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Angela Hahn. I am an in-house counsel at a healthcare company in the Baltimore area. I live right in between DC and Baltimore. Um, but I was laughing in the beginning because I'm more known as a health coach um, on LinkedIn, which is kind of where I met you. And so I'm a health coach for lawyers who feel stuck and I support them in their mental health by working on their professional health and their physical health. Isn't it funny that sometimes asking who to introduce yourself and tell who you are yeah, is yeah. the question that gives you pause because we have so many multiple identities that sometimes who you are and representing it in kind of one sentence is, is kind of difficult. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I try to keep it short, though. <laughs> <laughs> you did a good job. You did a good job. Tell me, um, tell me how you ended up in house. So I graduated from law school and I didn't have a full time position secured, a full time uh, job lined up. But I was very blessed to have a, a fellowship. I went into the education thinking that I would enjoy it as much as I enjoyed teaching because I was a teacher before law school. But I realized that there are two very different things. And so I don't really get to kind of interact that much with the community um, the way I was able to and as a teacher. And so I was like, well, I got to find out what my passion is because I need to wake up every day, like looking forward to what I'm working on throughout the day. I was watching this random YouTube video about finding your passion. And then he's the, the person on the video said, well, you got to look at your biggest pain. And so then I took, I kind of like sat down, thought about what my biggest pain was. And it was about the culture shock that I first experienced when I first came to the States and um, how difficult it was to navigate the healthcare system as an immigrant. I overcame that issue. Like I was bulimic as a result of that. So that was affecting my physical and mental health. And so I was bulimic for seven years from the culture shock and I overcame it with exercise. And so I was like, well, I think that's my answer. I think I need to get into healthcare, both as a lawyer and also increase my um, kind of individual interaction with the community as a health coach. Isn't it interesting how um, the traumatic experiences often show us the past, the, the hardship, the difficulty eventually kind of become our calling? Yes. Tell me, um, you know, um, you've been in the house for a little while. And, you know, I, I liked in your introduction how you said, but what I'm known for um, is uh, the, uh, the mental health and the uh, kind of lifestyle advocacy. Tell me how you stumbled on it. So initially, because I overcame bulimia with exercise, I thought that that was, I mean, that was my starting point. Uh, right after I passed the bar, I took the personal trainer certification um, exam. Actually, I failed it the first time by one question. Uh, right before I started studying for the bar, I failed it. And I was like, okay, maybe this is a sign I should not do it or something. But then after I passed the bar, I think I was in a much better uh, uh, space and time to retake it. And then I finally passed it. And then I just, the day I passed, I walked into the gym right next to our apartment. And I said, hey, I just got certified. Could, can you hire me? I, I need to learn because a certification doesn't really mean much. You have to have that practical experience. And so after I badgered them for like two months, they finally hired me. 
And then um, after a few more months, I had to move away for my current position as a as in-house counsel. And so I had to put up my own shingle in my own um, my my new house. And so that's when I kind of started exploring, okay, uh, let me continue to do personal training, but what else can I do? And then a lot of my clients were saying, well, I want to kind of have a holistic approach to my health. And so then that really made me examine what's going on in my health that I can um, kind of impart or teach to other people who might be going through something similar. As you were exploring this path in health and uh, coaching, I guess at what point it became a gig or um, sort of a side hustle? And then I think at, at what point it kind of become a calling? So I was a personal trainer, like um, at a gym at, next to my apartment. And I love that experience. I love like talking to my, um, to my clients, working with them. And then all of a sudden I couldn't work with them anymore. And so I had to make a decision. How do I continue working with clients? And so then I just put my profile online on this website called Thumbtack. Um, it's like where you find contractors for all kinds of work, like whether it's like roofing or vacuuming the house or something like, or whatever it is that you uh, require some, some labor with. And so I was able to put up my profile there. I realized I really missed working with lawyers because a lot of the clients that I worked with at the gym were lawyers. And so, well, how do I like start working with lawyers more instead of just kind of selling my services to anyone and any anybody then i had to really take a deep deeper look into what my business model needed to look like and so then i started looking into training programs and mentors and coaches who could help me kind of narrow down my niche and build my business from there isn't it funny you were working with lawyers <laughs> yeah. And you know, what's interesting is that because it's a gym, I'm wearing the gym like uniform and then the clients, they're just wearing t-shirts. So we have no way of knowing, like I have no way of knowing their occupation. Like it's not written anywhere, but I could tell, I don't know. I don't know how but I could tell right away. Are you a lawyer? And then like, they would all say, oh my gosh, how did you know? <laughs> oh, because you're so subtle. <laughs> you said a wedge 500 times in the last three seconds. Exactly. So how could you tell? How they're very thorough with their workouts. Um, how they were thorough and very ambitious. And they were asking me good questions. They were very respectful and they were determined they didn't miss any session. And so it was like, hmm, that's kind of what a lawyer would do. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. I, I, I like how um, you discovered that you have a passion outside of law. And then you kind of came full circle, um, you know, with lawyers, just in a different <laughs> context and in a different way. It's, it's sort of, you can take the girl out of the law, but not the law out of the girl. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about sort of designing ideal life. What would be your recommendations? Yeah, I think the first question I'm going to ask is, what do you really want? I think I see way too many lawyers not knowing the answer to this question. And that's because they haven't really sat down and thought about the answer to this question. And the thing is, a lot of us also sit down and think about this question, but they come up empty. And so they just continue living their life without the answers. And so 
that's where I recommend because that's, that's what I did working with someone who is able to guide me through those steps. And that's why I coach because I believe in coaching. I have two coaches myself and I have a bunch of mentors and I'm, I have so many communities that I'm part of to really make sure that I'm asking the right questions and arriving at the answers that align with me. And, but at the same time, it can be very unnerving to ask for help, especially as lawyers, we are so used to being so self-sufficient and accomplishing so much on our own that it just feels so awkward. I still feel awkward even after I've you know, hired a, a team of three. Uh, I, I just made my third hire this, this week and uh, working with so many people, I still feel uncomfortable asking for help. And so I understand the struggle. So if you are really, really telling yourself, no, I'm not ready to talk about this with anybody yet, then what I would urge you to ask uh, is as the next question, like what is your biggest source of pain? Kind of reflecting on my own journey. What is it right now that you have that you don't want for sure? Or is there something in the past that you really, really do not want to go back to? And so then in the future, what can, how do you envision your future kind of unraveling? What is one thing that you really definitely do not want to be part of your future? And so then the, the, the goal becomes, how can I flip that around so that the goal is the absence of that pain? I, I like that you mentioned the asking for help is a struggle and whether that's a uniquely legal trait or it's a uniquely human trait, you know, um, I guess to some extent doesn't matter. But if you were to maybe provide guidance about the art of asking for help, what steps do you recommend taking when yeah. you ask for help? Whether it's, you know, help in your career, whether it's help in actually your legal practice, uh, your designing lifestyle, your uh, journey in mental health, your journey in physical health, your journey, whatever your journey is on. How, what is what is what do you think is the art of asking for help? So I think that each one of us, we always have room to improve somewhere, somehow. And I think that starts with how we use our time. And so we all have 24 hours in the day. We all can improve in how efficient we are and how effective we are with our time. And I'm not talking about the output purely because there are times when there is a lot of output, but we still feel tired and drained of our energy. And so my question would be then is, so what are the things that are kind of taking you away from your dreams? So if you audit your time, starting with midnight, right? Every single minute, what are you actually doing with it? And so what I like to do is I like to look at my internet browsing history. And I bet I get so shocked that I spend like hours on YouTube when I thought that I spent like literally 15 minutes. And so things like that, that allows us to see, oh, okay, I have an extra hour here and I have an extra hour there. And so then after we kind of understand where we can make more time, we also then take a look at, okay, from 7.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m., I spend my time doing this. Like, for example, I spend my time um, organizing my emails. And I honestly don't want to be organizing my emails at this time. I want to be spending time with my dog or I want to spending time with my baby or I want to spend time with my partner or friends or family or whatever it is. And so if that is the case, then that probably means that 
that hour is draining your energy. And so managing email, is that something that you can delegate to somebody else, a personal assistant? And so then you start looking at all these other things that you can delegate to your personal assistant, scheduling, emailing, putting things on your calendar and organizing some documents and taking care of certain administrative tasks that you've been holding off for the longest time because you dread it so much. And so then you, you start delegating the small things that are draining your energy because then once you learn how to let go of the small things, then you learn how to let go of the bigger things. I like how systematically you went through analyzing uh, what are the things that are stopping you from doing what you want or being what you want or getting where you want to go um, and how then you proactively asking you questions uh, what can I do about it? <laughs> Who yeah. else could be doing it? Perhaps somebody who may enjoy it more or have time to do this. Or um, is there a substitute for that? Right. Um, the part about sort of noticing that the YouTube <laughs> will almost always take more than 15 minutes. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I think we'll, we've all fallen into trap of that. that. That's definitely a highly relatable experience. I want to talk a little bit more about the designing of ideal lifestyle and maybe specifically because you're a coach, you know, uh, we've covered your personal experiences, but maybe you can talk a little bit about the mistakes you've seen across population, not just the ones you maybe made, maybe also the ones you made, but also if they're sort of categorically talk about mistakes in designing your personal ideal lifestyle. So many of us, I notice, is, is putting off that project. Uh, they don't even start thinking about, like kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, about what they want. And they have dreams, they have thoughts. Oh, yeah, I want to do this one day. Oh, yeah, I want to do that one day. But, and then they just are, are not able to fill in the blank. It's, and, it, and all of it has to do with the primary emotion of fear. They're afraid of something. Most of the time, it's the fear of being judged, whether it's being judged by the public, whether it's being judged by your colleagues or your family. It's about being judged for being who you are and going out, going after the things that move your heart. And so I think that a lot of the times we feel so stifled by other people's opinions and we hate to admit it. Um, but I think that is the number one mistake that we make. In, or, in thinking about, okay, what will he think? What will she think? Will I lose my job? Will, uh, will this happen to me? And so when, whenever action or inaction is driven by, by fear, we only get, get further away from the goals that we want to achieve. You know, I'm, I'm contemplating whether to ask you about the fear or the judgment, <laughs> um, because those are kind of big topics. So maybe let's talk about, you know, judgment. Um, you know, it, it, it is sort of a, it's close cousin is the imposter syndrome. Um, and, and, and there has been a lot said lately about imposter syndrome. A lot of it is sort of driven by fear of being judged. What tools have you seen being helpful for folks to address that fear, that, um, that recurring thought, what would others think of me and why do I care? What, 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 what have you seen, what tools have you seen successfully used to um, 
more proactive way address this problem. I can talk about this in the context of, of my own um, overcoming my my own fears and also what I talk about with my clients and how they do it too. And primarily it's it all boils down to the mindset. I don't I don't really like to say mindset because mindset can be so many different things and it's a very broad term. But when I talk about mindset in this particular uh, um, um, instance, about mindset, about the the fear of judgment, is that when you put yourself out there in order to reach the people that you want to reach, judgment should be inconsequential because if what you put out there means you get to reach one person, at least one person who will be impacted by, by what you have to say, then whatever judgment that other people give should not matter at all. For example, um, there are times when I put out silly uh, kind of dumb videos about myself because I don't like to take myself seriously. And the reason is that like an, an, an example of one video, it had like 20,000 views or something. And it was me doing stupid things. I knew that going into posting that, but I knew that it would put a smile on someone's face, at least one person's face. And so then I put it out there because if it means that 20,000 people are going to judge me, but it's going to put a smile on one person's face, then it's going to be worth it. I love it. Let's talk about social media. What role did it play in your designing the, the this ideal lifestyle? My ideal lifestyle is when you find the time that you want to invest uh, after you audit your time, after you ask for help and set boundaries and stuff like that, when you find those extra hours in your day, the question that becomes, what do you do with those hours? And so the three things that I like to do is one, look for people who have done the same thing that I want to do. So for example, when I was first beginning as an entrepreneur, I wanted to look at other examples of people who made it as an entrepreneur. And kind of as an added bonus, I look at other people who are in similar circumstances. So maybe they were lawyers. And so how did they build their business? And so that's what I like to do. I look at, try to look at other examples. And that also comes with social media. I watched a lot of YouTube videos. I joined a lot of Facebook groups that kind of told me, oh, these are the people who did it and I'm learning from them. And they're teaching me uh, certain kind of tips and strategies and plans that I can have in place for me to execute. And I think the second one is kind of tied to the first one is to have a community. Um, James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits, he says something along the lines of join a community where your desired result is the norm. And so as a lawyer, kind of I was surrounded by a lot of people who wanted to be uh, to make partner or who wanted to make general counsel or some sort of executive. But for me, my goals are a little bit different. I didn't have those goals. My goal was to uh, be an entrepreneur and a lawyer, not necessarily be an executive at a different company. And so I then searched for a community where people had similar goals, like they wanted to be an entrepreneur instead of climbing up the corporate ladder, for example. And so then um, I didn't, I felt like I belonged more. And so I was able to find that through social media. And then finally, I, uh, the thing that I like to teach other people also is to find the right coach or the find the right mentor, find the right people to hire into your business to help you save time and energy. And all of those people I found is through social media. And so really social media is helping me create the, uh, my ideal community who teaches me the what and the how and also supports me along the way. I like how social media has become part of your strategy. 
and in actually part of the designing that you uh, have been doing. It is also true that lawyers, especially in-house lawyers, often shy away from social media. I, I know it very well um, as a former in-house lawyer who's been on social media for quite a while. Um, I've had many private conversations ranging between curiosity uh, and judgment <laughs> mm-hmm. um, about what the proper way to show up on social media, mm-hmm. if at all. Yeah. Um, and I've experienced firsthand the amount of overthinking for lawyers uh, when it comes to even doing anything more than lurking on social media. What is kind of your advice or thoughts to attorneys who are very curious about social media? It's hard not to be curious about social media. There's, it's, a, it's like a, a candy shop. We have a discipline, I suppose, to not come in. But then, you know, really denying themselves the benefit of telling their story and uh, being part of the like-minded community. What is your message to them? And then if, if they're thinking of trying, where do you think they should try? I think it goes back to that question of what do you want? And I think we all make decisions based on that. And what do we not want? Which goes back to the pain. And so I think it's a value-based judgment. Do I value putting myself out there and reaching the people and building a community more, or do I value the lack of judgment? And so then the lack of judgment, that also comes from a place of fear. A lot of the times it's very easy to ignore the, the fear and to, I mean, to ignore the, the, the suppression, the oppression of fear and to ignore the benefits of putting yourself out there. Because we have a lot of distractions. We have work, we have families, we have schedules to follow. And so when kind of the daily life gets in the way, we don't necessarily think about how powerful putting ourselves out there can be. But at the same time, I wouldn't force anybody to do something that they don't want to do. But at the end of the day, if it is true that they want to put themselves out there and they want to reach the people that they want to reach and they want to create the community that they want to create, then what are they waiting for? The only thing that's keeping them from doing that, as I've realized from talking to pretty much like hundreds of lawyers, is that fear of judgment, a fear of, oh, what if other people view me as X, Y, and Z? But at the end of the day, no one's going to care. Isn't it amazing that the um, the um, number of people who cares in our head is so much larger <laughs> than it actually is in real life. And many of those, so to speak, monsters are self-created. Angela, I, I always learn something from you, from your posts, uh, from these conversations, from every interactions. And uh, I really like uh, the sort of enlightened way of thinking about the judgment, how to show up, uh, how to use social media, especially in the context of, of, of being an attorney. Um, you know, our time is coming to the end. And um, I, I guess if you were to leave listeners with a couple of gems about health and lifestyle design, we'd love to hear them. I, I, I just keep going back to that question. What do you want? And what, what, if what you want is to not work out, what you want is to uh, kind of stay where you are. And I, I, don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There are a lot of things in my life where I just don't want to change. And if that's the case, then you don't need my advice. But if there are changes that you want to, to make, I would suggest that 
again, ask yourself, what, what is it that you want? If what you are going through right now is not what you want, how can we reverse that so that we can create uh, our lives in their own terms? And I also encourage lawyers to, to know that you don't have to feel trapped in the, in the kind of category as a law school graduate. If you're a law school graduate, if you pass the bar, you must be a lawyer. If you uh, pass the bar and you have a license, you must follow a particular career path. There is no limit to what you can do, but the only thing that is required is if you believe in yourself, because there are so many people out there who are reaching and fulfilling their dreams who are less qualified than you are just because they decided to believe in themselves. And so it never is a matter of qualification or whether you're good enough. You'll always be good enough. You'll always be worthy of that success that you're looking for, but it's a matter of belief and knowing what you want and getting rid of those fears. I love it. I love starting out and continuously asking and struggling with the question, what do you want? It's amazing that sometimes it's one of the most difficult questions uh, to ask, the question that where we may seek help uh, in, say, coaching, and uh, the one question around which it's worth building community. Angela, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. And again, we learned so much from you. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you.